0: Good afternoon. You are listening to WMUA 91.1 in Amherst. Welcome to Undercurrents. My name is Jenny. I'll be with you for the next half hour. Our guest today on Undercurrents is Professor Ashish Sadiq, who's in the history department at UMass Amherst. Um, Ashish is joining us today to talk about recent events. Today is January 22nd, 2021, so events that have been happening in, um, in our nation's capital. Um, he is involved in researching and writing several books, and one that's particularly relevant to our discussion, discussion today is called Legal Meanings, Intention and Method in the U.S. from 1787 to Present. And indeed, we want to talk about 1787 to Present or possibly even going further back historically. So Ashish, welcome to Undercurrents.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jenny.
0: Well, it's a pleasure. Not that long ago, maybe two weeks in a day or two weeks and two days, um, we saw for the first time certainly in my life, um, an attempt at an insurrection on the Capitol building in Washington, DC, during the time when the Congress was convened to certify the election of Joe Biden as our next president and now as our current president. So I wonder if you could start by talking about the significance of having this mob or counter-revolutionary force um, invading the Capitol with weapons and trying to, to stop the, the um, certification
1: yeah i mean it was both my reaction was that it was both um uh kind of an extraordinary event in the sense that in my lifetime i was born in the 1980s and kind of came of age politically in the 1990s through the to the 2000s it was certainly an event that i had not seen and so my initial reaction as a citizen was shock um as a historian i Though, uh, in some sense, do not think it was unprecedented at all, I, I think that it is part of a much longer history um, uh, that uh, uh, certainly dates in, in perhaps more recent memory to the resistance, um, uh, especially in the South, to the Civil Rights Act um, uh, during the 1960s, um, of uh, a sense that uh, among um, a, a, a certain group of, of of white Americans that um, interracial democracy is, uh, is a, somehow a perversion of what this country is about and that it has to be resisted um, by any means necessary. Uh, in a lot of ways, I saw um, the same way in which Southern governors um, tried to prevent by um, uh, you know, by putting troops um, uh, or police people in front of schools in the South um, in the 1960s, 1950s, and 1960s, um, a same uh, a same kind of activity of trying on the part of the uh, of the insurrectionists to literally prevent um, the counting and the certification of a democratically uh, controlled election. The sense that, um, you know, that uh, in a lot of ways, the the message really being that somehow democracy um, is is actually perverting what what these people feel is, you know the the so-called true America or the or the real America.
0: This phrase that we've heard more of in recent recent weeks, transition of power and peaceful transition of power. Is that special? (laughs) You know, I've kind of just gotten used to it. And in the history that I was taught in high school, it was just president one, president two, and president three. And there was no talk about like insurrections or coup d'etat. Coup d'etat was something for other places in the world. So can you talk about the role of um, peaceful transition of power in the U.S. democracy and whether that's special or not special?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that in a lot of ways, um, uh, it it has been special, and certainly in in recent memory, um, and certainly since the um, uh, since the uh, since the end of the um, of the Civil War, and certainly in in the living memories of everybody who is alive today in the U.S., we have never seen before um, this kind of resistance on the part of a sitting president to. Um, the outcome of a of a democratically held election, and so the um, it, it indeed was extraordinary the resistance by um, President Trump, former President Trump, to certifying that. I would recall that during the um, uh, during the two thousand election, which many will remember, was also contested. Um, uh, once the uh, the Supreme Court had um, ruled uh, against Al Gore um, and the continuing recount of votes. Al Gore came out and made a statement where he said, "I seriously disagree with the Supreme Court, but I accept that this is our democratic process and we can move forward." And so I thought that the obstruction by Trump and the continual denial of what 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 was you know what was factually true, which was that there had not been any fraud, was. Um, was absolutely unprecedented.
0: When you um, use that phrase, was factually true. And this kind of gets to an interesting point: the, the people participating in the attempted insurrection um, thought, believed different facts. Yes. So. What do people do? How do you decide what's what's true or not true? And in this case, for example, what was the difference, or was there a difference between the stopped recount for Al Gore and the situation?
1: I think that the difference was that um, in, in in this case, the um, the the insurrectionists and many of the supporters of President Trump who who were present at the uh, at the Capitol building. Um, genuinely believed that the election had been stolen and that there was, uh, you know, and very uh, various other conspiracy theories that have no basis in fact, but that had circulated in um, uh, the kind of closed media ecosystem that that President Trump created during his uh, time in power, but also in his sort of, in, in his earlier period of political life, where um, he cast, uh, immense aspersions and attacks on um, the media arguing that they simply could never be trusted to um, provide provide information for people to make their own judgments about that it was already distorted and he really um, worked very hard during his um, ha- during his political career both before but also during of course his presidency to undermine um, something that uh, you know has kind of been a, a an unexamined um, part of American political culture, which is the idea that there's a certain amount of of evidence um, produced by uh, news reporting, produced by um, uh, 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 people in universities, public policy places, uh, and and even the government in terms of its uh, creating things like statistics on unemployment. That we can use to argue from, but we don't kind of question the idea that those that that kind of broad base of factual knowledge is, um, you know, is 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 invalid. But Trump was so extraordinary in that he he cast aspersions upon the validity of all of that. If unemployment numbers showed that people that they were going up, it meant something that that something was fake and that people were lying. Um, and that I think. Um, really fueled um, a lot of the uh, of the sense that um, among his supporters, especially in the post-election period, that there genuinely was fraud and that actually the um, you know and that the vote count could be stopped.
0: So maybe we should go back a little bit historically and, um talk about, and maybe you can fill us in on different events in American history in which there's been resistance um, or even violent resistance to what I might call progressive change or making democracy actually accessible to all people, not just to the maybe property owner owning white males that it was started with.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, in in an odd way, um, the 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 kind of the resistance to um, uh, uh, equality and to you know democracy is is in, in an odd way coextensive with the very birth of um, this this country. So during the Constitutional Convention um, in in 1787. Um, there was a a strong effort by the southern states um, to argue that um, the Constitution should not outlaw um, the slave trade or slavery for uh, a very long time. And and that at the very least, the slave trade should not be abolished. And they were successful in that regard. Um, In the the U.S. at the Constitutional Convention, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the convention agreed that um, the slave trade would not be abolished until, um, until 1808. And, um, there is, and at the same time in, 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 the North, in the North and in the Northern States, um, uh, there was a process of what people call gradual abolition where Northern States passed laws that, um, that allowed for, um, the emancipation of, uh, enslaved peoples over time. And so, There's always been this sort of way in which we talk about kind of American democracy as if it is um, a a sort of a a static thing that has been true forever. But in a lot of ways, the history of American democracy is really about the push and pull between, um, uh, you know, forces and ideas and, and, and institutions and policies that are trying to work towards equality for all and this counter tendency that often uses the very same language of rights, whether it's you know states rights um, to push back against that. So if you go
0: back to the first period when um, black people were, were slaves, I'm not quite sure how to phrase this question because it's such an appalling concept, but historically did people how do people think about that to justify it? I don't, I don't know if it's the most important question, but maybe it helps us understand how people can so mistreat immigrants um, or people, t- refugees on the Mexican border and so forth. But how do people it's, think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, um, there is a long history of, um, of I mean, I, humans finding ways to um, to justify the, you know, the exploitation of other humans based on the idea that those other humans have some kind of, inhabit some kind of characteristic or condition that makes them less than me, the person who is doing the oppressing. And so I kind of think all the way back to, um, the what you might call the 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 a very early modern concept of slavery, which was that um, uh, if you were uh, captured in war, if you were defeated, this was sort of the ancient and, and early modern concept of slavery, which which you know w- uh, had had um, had a very long history. You could be you were you were enslaved. You were you were the status of a of a slave person. The the idea that. If I defeat you, if I show that I'm stronger than you, I have a right to dominate you. And, in some sense, in on a, a lot of ways, the that idea, the sort of original idea of slavery as, um, as kind of the the capture and the and the exploitation of somebody you defeat, um, you know, has has undergone a lot of transformations over time. It it was eventually um, uh, uh, came to be. Um, uh, replaced with the idea that um, there might be people who were, um, were quote-unquote naturally um, enslaved um, or enslavable.
0: Okay, and then through, let's get back to American history. What, what are the different movements that have been successful in making steps forward and then we can come up to the present and like, where are we now?
1: Well, there's there's been a long tradition. Oftentimes, in in certainly in in schools, we we learn a great deal about the civil rights movement um, in the in the 1950s and the 1960s, which um, which saw um, uh, many African Americans, especially rooted in uh, in the church in the south. Um, uh, Push nonviolently for political equality. Um, But there's also a much longer history, especially of African-American organizing um, against uh, white supremacy in this country. And it goes back to um, both the 19th century history of African-American abolitionists, um, as well as the the later history in the South and the reconstruction period after the Civil War, of the first African American um, uh, senators and Congresspeople from uh, 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 post-Reconstruction Southern states, who worked diligently to um, try to um, uh, uh, pass civil rights protections, voting rights protections, um, and they are they are part of this history of trying to push back against uh, the the white supremacist and the and the racist impulses that. Um, you know, that that are also so deeply present in American culture and history.
0: Okay, so this is talking about what you started out with, that we have a long history of positive change or some subset of people trying to make positive change and another subset showing strong even violent resistance to that positive change. Now, following the Civil War, um, in what ways did presidents for that period, um, not too long after the Civil War, either support um, enfranchisement of African-American people or not?
1: So there was a kind of a, um, there was a a really um, diverse and and different degree of, um, of um, uh, attitudes. And, um, the, the the major in some sense um, uh, uh, moment in which the um, in which the um, uh, 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 situation um, changed. So so as 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 um, uh, just to kind of uh, refresh a bit the what what the Reconstruction period saw in in a, in very basic terms was the um, was the uh, uh, was the use of. Uh, federal troops to enforce um, the uh, the the agreements of the um, of the of the uh, of the post Civil War um, uh, 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 legislation that enfranchised African Americans and um, and ended uh, slavery as a as an institution, um, but. By the, um, uh, in around 1876, um, with the election of um, uh, the uh, President Rutherford B. Hayes, um, there was a, what was known as the Compromise of 1877 through which um, Southern politicians who at that time were were Democrats, so not the modern democratic party, but, but the Democrats of the late 19th century um, uh, made an agreement with Hayes um, to, um, allow him to uh, not to not block his uh, his ascendancy to the presidency um, on the condition that uh, the, the all federal troops would be uh, removed from the south, which they wanted because that would allow them to both control the region but also to avoid implementing.
0: Yeah. So I wanted to just ask he said to, to not um, not get in the way of Hayes's, um, coming president. So just fill us in a little bit on that too. Had he been elected democratically and did he win? I mean, what,
1: why was there a question? So it was, um, it, in, in a lot of ways, it, it came down to the fact that in a, in, um, in the election of 1876, there were, there was a dispute, um, in a manner not entirely dissimilar to the, uh, to the way that uh, President Trump disputed ballots um, and the legitimacy of ballots in the uh, in the most recent election about um, the uh, the tr- the returns from from uh, uh, of several southern states, Florida, Louisiana, and South Carolina, um, and there was a debate in Congress over the legitimacy of um, these uh, the the ballots and the election results from these states and. The um, the there was kind of what's known um, sometimes as the Compromise of 1877, whereby um, the uh, the Republicans and the Democrats uh, got together, and the Republicans said, um, if you Democrats accept um, Hayes's victory, um, we will agree to withdraw federal troops out of um, out of the South, and so that um, what what came to be known as the Compromise of 1877. Um, resulted in that withdrawal, and with it, the end of um, uh, protection for um, for, for African Americans um, from the the terrorism of white supremacy and and Jim Crow, and that in turn set up the the subsequent history of the South being a place where segregation and discrimination were uh, baked into the legal uh, to the legal system.
0: So essentially, the Republican Party, then the party of Lincoln, abdicated their responsibility to govern the entire country according to perhaps changing laws of the land and protect citizens in that, okay, we'll have our guy um, in the White House.
1: Absolutely. There was a compromise in favor of um, the, the continuation of political power over the principle of um, equal rights and equality.
0: Yeah, it seems like the, the term compromise, you know, it's interesting, it makes it sound oh, somehow so polite and that ushered in decades and decades and decades of um, lynchings and denial of votes and exploitation.
1: Absolutely, and not only that, it, it was really the beginning of, um, a period of um, uh, what can only really be described as um, uh, uh, really state sanctioned terrorism of African-Americans under the guise of, uh, under the formal guise of quote-unquote freedom and equality. Um, Although uh, the institution of slavery as a legal category had been ended, in in practice, African-Americans in the South, in the the reconstruction period um, were subjected to among other things, um, uh, segregation um, and uh, terrorism this time, not from the formal institution of the Confederacy, but from um, white supremacist vigilantes um, most famously the Ku Klux Klan which really began to flourish in this period as a a, a vigilante group of insurrectionists who sought to bring back the the old um, discriminatory racial order of the, of the pre-Civil War period.
0: All right, well, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Undercurrents here on WMUA. Um, our guest today is Professor Ashish Sadiq, who's in the history department at UMass. And we're kind of working our way starting from the recent failed insurrection on the US Capitol, um, then going back in history and working our way forwards in time. Um, we have maybe um, six minutes left in the show. So I wonder if we can jump to another major change or an attempt at change in terms of making the, the US more democratic. Um, and that's the suffragette movement. Um, Getting women the right to vote, you know. So, what was the similar similar questions? Who was you know people in favor, people against? What kind of resistance?
1: Absolutely, there was a um, there was a, a the the history of um, women's suffrage has also been a um, very long and um, and complex um, uh, thing. So, as as um, perhaps many of the um, of of listeners will know the um, the 19th Amendment to the Constitution um, uh, uh, formally makes the uh, makes uh, uh, women suffrage um, a part of our uh, of our of our uh, of our legal and democratic system, um, but it was preceded by over a century a very long struggle um, by. Um, by women, um, by political activists, to try to um, to bring uh, uh, suffrage and voting rights to both women and African Americans, um, especially in um, in the um, in the 19th century, when um, uh, 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 many activists, um, uh, especially in 1848, um, uh, 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 when um, Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, um, two, two prominent um, uh, women suffragists, de- uh, drafted something known as the um, as the Declaration of Sentiments, which was uh, a kind of a draft of um, uh, of an amendment to um, to 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 allow for um, to allow for uh, uh, equal rights for women. Um, but that um, uh, that history is also about the complex way in which the struggle for African-American voting rights and the struggle for women's rights have often both worked together, but also been in tension. So notably, um, uh, many of the the 19th century women suffragists um, uh, were resistant to the idea of African-Americans and particularly African-American men getting the vote before that. Um, and they were ambiguous and about, the, um, about the push by African-Americans for, um, for voting equality uh, because they felt that um, it was most important for, for women to have a vote um, before them and that that was the best route for equality for all.
0: And then when this actually happened, when women actually gave got the right to vote, was there again um, pushback, strong pushback from elements.
1: Absolutely, there was a there was a great deal of resistance to the idea that um, women should uh, have uh, po- political participation. Um, the idea that politics was a you know quote unquote man's game, um, in that the the participation of women in the political sphere um, was. Inappropriate, and and especially the idea, which arguably we've we've we continue have, have heard recently recently, uh, resonances of that women themselves are somehow because of their nature unfit for um, holding positions of governance. Um, certainly during the um, during the uh, previous presidential election between um, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Um, there was a kind of a continuous narrative of um, Clinton's, um, you know, uh, alleged um, uh, e- e- emotion, emotional um, uh, a presence in politics or lack thereof. Um, something that is has rarely been raised in the same kind of critical way with respect to uh, male politicians. The idea that that women politicians may be "quote unquote" too emotional for uh, for government. And so I think I would argue that that is part of a much longer history of the ways in which even after the formal inclusion of women in, um, in American political life um, through suffrage, there has been uh, a way of trying to exclude them um, through the, um, through the uh, uh, origins and the dissemination of these cu- cultural rhetorics that, that have tried to render them somehow unfit. And I would argue that in the context of Kamala Harris's um, historic uh, ascendancy to the vice president, we, we've, we've seen um, a very similar set of um, rhetorics, especially during the campaign um, around her alleged unfitness for office.
0: Well, unfortunately or happily Kamala Harris is now the vice president, we can, we can celebrate that. Um, the unfortunate referred to the fact that we're just about out of time. Um, you've been listening to Undercurrents. Our guest today was Professor Ashish Sadiq, who's in the history department here at UMass Amherst. And thank you very much for joining us. Thank you
1: so much, Jenny.
0: I feel like we cut off the conversation kind of like right in the middle. So maybe we'll have to do it again. Um, if you want to listen to the this show or other previous shows, you can search for us on um, Anchor FM, Undercurrents Radio, WMUA. You're tuned to WMUA 91.1 in Amherst. Have a great day.